well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me today. Uh, joining me on the program, Rob Dore from the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. We're going to be talking about the omnibus gun control bill that uh, the caucus says would essentially repeal the Second Amendment. Unfortunately, that's not even the only gun control bill that is uh, on the move in the state of Minnesota. The question is whether or not the narrow uh, Democratic majorities um, are going to pass. I, I shouldn't even say whether or not they're going to pass gun control laws. I think at this point, we'll talk about it with Rob Dore. it might be a matter of what uh, the narrow majorities in Minnesota are going to uh, approve. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, none of it, unfortunately, I think is uh, going to be good for gun owners, but we'll get to that. Well, right now, as a matter of fact, take a look and a listen to our conversation with Rob Dore, the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. Rob Dore, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. And uh, thank you for all of your work uh, and the work of the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus this year. Oh, my pleasure. Great, great to be here, Cam. And thank you for your work and, and what you do and getting the word out and mobilizing the troops. Uh, well, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a need for mobilization right now in Minnesota. Um, you know, and we were talking about this off air. 2019, uh, where I live in Virginia, Democrats took complete control of state government for the first time in, I think, 30 years and immediately decided we're going to ban guns. Um, <laughs> and that didn't go well for them. You know, they they passed about a half dozen gun control laws. But in 2021, Republicans swept uh, the elections. They took back control of the House. They took control of all statewide offices. And I hope that that is the future of Minnesota right now, because you all are dealing with the com Democrats in complete control of government problem right now. Um, and they're not being shy or modest no. uh, about what they want to do, right? Let's talk about some of the bills that have been introduced this year, including 1723, which uh, the caucus Senate says would, would, in essence, you know, just destroy the Second Amendment completely. Yeah, I mean, they're running the full gambit. You know, it, it's been 10 years since we've had our last Democrat control. But the, the Minnesota is a little bit weird, I, I imagine, much like Virginia, where there are Democrats there, that, but they're uh, out in, you know, outside of the urban areas that are pro Second Amendment. But, you know, they, they vote Democrat for labor reasons or other things like that. Uh, and that was a significant part of the, you know, 10 years ago when they had the Democrat majority. Now we've got a very, very metro centric. It's basically, you know, the big cities, many. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Duluth, Rochester kind of running the show. Um, and uh, we, they've done everything from, you know, from bills that would force you to keep your firearms unloaded and locked up at home, making them useless for self-defense, uh, charging you with a crime if you fail to report a firearm uh, lost or stolen within 48 hours of it happening, even if you're maybe it's in your cabin or you're on vacation and you don't even know. Red flag laws, universal background checks, gun owner registration to you know to the Senate file, which you just mentioned, which uh, essentially repeals the Second Amendment. Registration, licensing, mandatory training, mandatory mental health screening, and a physical screening uh, in order to get your firearms license. I mean, there's literally not not a gun control provision in there that uh, that uh, isn't inside that bill. That, that, yeah, that's great. What about what about sensitive places, Rob? Um, because I know that we've seen a lot of Bruin response bills, you know, in blue states from New York, Maryland, Massachusetts, California, Hawaii, where they're saying, all right, fine, if we if we can't decide who gets to carry, well, then we're not going to let anybody carry anywhere. Have we seen anything yeah. like that introduced to Minnesota this year? Well, yeah, and you know so that that is part of the you know some of the legislation that's been introduced is banning uh, guns in sensitive places like all government buildings. 
currently in Minnesota, it, it's kind of flipped the other way. A government building can't restrict the lawful carry uh, of, uh, of permit holders. There's a couple of exemptions, schools, um, uh, court, government court or courthouses where a, a court order is in effect, jails. But beyond that, every city hall, every county building, you're allowed to carry if you've got a permit to carry. They want to remove that. They also want to make it a crime to carry at the Capitol, uh, something that we, we enjoy doing. Um, there was literally a state legislator a couple years ago mugged on the way um, in between the Capitol and one of the office buildings. And uh, yet they want to ban us from being able to carry on the Capitol grounds. Well, you know, and that speaks to, I think, one of the other dynamics at work here in Minnesota is that violent crime is rising, uh, particularly in the Twin Cities, right? And it's not gotten any better since 2020. Um, there are, you know, and, and so there's this weird dynamic, Rob, on the left where a lot of Democrats are are fully committed to, you know, these gun control uh, propositions, while at the same time they complain about over-policing. They complain about over-incarceration. They say we need to be smart on crime. We need to do things like, you know, community gun violence intervention programs, which I'm frankly in favor of. But how are the Democrats in Minnesota squaring this circle of, well, gosh, you know, we need to worry about over-policing. Hey, let's put more nonviolent possessory crimes on the books and carve it out of a fundamental right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, which is also hilarious because the universal background check bill that they had when they introduced it said that uh, police officers could deny people their right to carry based on police contact. Uh, and so that, that just flies in their whole narrative uh, against, you know, this over-policing uh, and everything. But uh, some of the things that, that we advocate for is really strong enforcement of our current laws. We have a mandatory minimum in Minnesota where on a first offense, if you commit a violent felony and you've got a firearm, that's a three-year mandatory minimum. Uh, if you commit it again, it's a five-year mandatory minimum. Time and time again, our Sentencing Guideline Commissions has identified the single most undercharged and dropped charge is felon in possession of a firearm because of those mandatory minimum sentences. So they're not even getting serious about prosecuting the crimes we have. Then we've got uh, on our, our bills, it's a misdemeanor if you uh, engage in a straw purchase. So that's knowingly selling a firearm to somebody who you know is a prohibited person, buying it on their behalf. Um, a couple of years ago, the Hennepin County attorney, Hennepin County uh, is uh, the seat of government for Minneapolis. That's the largest county, largest city in the state. He said that the reason why he doesn't prosecute straw buyers is because the penalty is too low. Yet every time we've offered a bill to increase that penalty to incentivize prosecution of these people who are trafficking firearms to gang members and, and, and violent persons, um, they, the Democrats have shot it down in favor of their push for gun control, which of course, as everybody watching this knows, only adds hurdles to law-abiding gun owners. Doesn't do anything to slow down uh, the illegal trafficking of firearms. Yeah, well, and, and that is the dynamic here, right? I mean, as you say, the criminals aren't touched by these laws, particularly if they're not being enforced. Uh, so even a felon in possession law isn't going to have much of an impact if it's not actually being charged. Meanwhile, again, the attempt to you know place these new restrictions on legal gun owners, making them jump through all of these hoops and hurdles in order to exercise the Second Amendment right, and criminalizing their conduct if they don't. Right? If you're again, if you're if you're in possession of a firearm without a a permit under uh, uh, Senate Bill uh, uh, seventeen twenty three, that is a criminal offense. And I have a feeling, Rob, that um, while a lot of rural locations might not uh, enforce that uh, all that strictly. In Ramsey County and Hennepin County, I don't know, something tells me that that concealed carry holders, that folks who want to try to obey the law 
uh, might end up facing a tougher prosecution than even somebody committed a violent crime with an illegally carried gun. Well, and and because we don't have constitutional carry, they've got a nice convenient list of 400,000 Minnesotans who uh, they know own guns. And if all of a sudden that list doesn't match up with their with their list of uh, of sh- who should license their firearms, I, I think we can all see where that's going. Yeah. So so what bills are on the move right now? Obviously, you're concerned about them all. Um, is, is 1723, do you think that was kind of thrown up as a smoke screen? Like, let's, let's put it all out there. Uh, and then if we don't pass that, well, we can say, look, we did these moderate, reasonable steps like, uh, you know, red flag laws or universal background checks or things of that nature. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that is a very likely strategy. Um, it, it, right now our Senate has a one vote majority, uh, for the Democrats. So we only need one single vote out of 67. Uh, well, uh, 34 of the of the Democrats there, uh, and two of those Democrats are out in Greater Minnesota, and both of them are being very quiet about their support for these bills. So we do have the ability to stop these bills. Minnesota is often used as kind of a testing ground for what's reasonable in other parts of the country. So even if you're not in Minnesota, this could have a very strong impact on you because of Minnesota's very strong pro-gun um, history and their pro-gun Greater Minnesota Democrats, we could be viewed as kind of the the, the poster child for other g- gun control in other states. Um, but uh, what what we're really looking at is these two senators. Now, what I think the the that you know this egregious bill that was introduced by Senator Marty, seventy twenty three, that um, it it could be an opportunity for them to say, well, I don't support those extreme bills like that one. I'm in favor of common sense gun control, like background checks and red flag laws. So it's very, very possible that that bill was introduced just to get us focused on that one and screeching about that one so that we maybe aren't paying as close of attention to the ones that are going to advance, which are just as egregious. I mean, the red flag laws, letting somebody who you're in a significant romantic or sexual relationship with, anybody who you've ever been married to, anybody who you've ever uh, resided with, be able to get one of these secret orders to take your guns. I mean, that is that is just fundamentally unconstitutional and a violation of due process. But they want us to maybe pay more attention to that uh, to the to the shiny object rather than while they try to advance these other bills through. Yeah. And thankfully, I think you guys can walk and chew gum at the same time uh, and, and, and you yeah. can pay attention to all of these bills. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, you say these uh, these two uh, Democrats from outside of, uh, you know, the greater Minneapolis area are the hinge here because, I, you know, I, one of the things that I have been so frustrated by, Rob, is the fact that I think that there is a progressive argument against gun control. And you've got left folks on the left who are making this argument. But it seems like a lot of Democrats are just willing to stick their fingers in their ears and say, la, 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 I can't hear you because they don't want to actually address the contradiction, the fundamental contradiction between more gun control uh, and you know police reform. So are they just going to just brush that under the rug? Are they just not even going to talk about it? Um, is this something that the DFL in Minnesota is not willing to have a debate on? Because I know that you and, and your colleagues have testified, uh, you know, to to these ends when you've been, uh, you know, expressing your opposition to some of these bills. What has been the reaction when you've brought up the progressive argument against gun control? You know, we we have had some good some good feedback, and I think you know we we were very intentional to. Uh, when we have testimony uh, for these bills, we're very intentional about bringing people up 
who uh, are progressives, who are liberals, but they are pro-gun and they oppose these bills. We're intentional about that because, you know, it's easy to dismiss me as somebody who's, you know, conservative libertarian. I go up there and I tell them what's wrong with their bill. They get to dismiss me. But when somebody from their own team comes up and starts poking them about using the same verbiage that that they like, we, we you know, one of our testifiers, Sarah Kate, who's fantastic, one of her lines upset some of the conservatives on the committee. But she said that, uh, you know, in reference to this uh, police officers get to deny permits based on police contact. She says that, um, you know, I, uh, I don't know what the intent of this bill is, but I know what uh, officer discretion is code for. And that triggered some of the Republicans, but you could see some of the, uh, the Democrats squirm in their seat because they, they're, they're using their own arguments against them in these bills. Will it make a difference? I don't know. I think that the party infrastructure is very strong here. Uh, there's very much a, a, um, a hive mentality, a herd mentality. Uh, it's very rare for people to go off, but I can tell you there will be bipartisan opposition to these bills in the Minnesota House, and we just need that one senator uh, in the Senate to who could be the backstop for this. So, so what what bills are on the move right now? What are you uh, telling members to to you know be con- making contact on right now? Yeah, so right now we're we're uh, we're running ads in greater Minnesota in targeted districts, uh, particularly at these uh, these uh, senators. And uh, what we're most concerned about, what we feel like is going to have the most likelihood of advancing is the red flag laws, uh, the universal background checks, which is, you know, registering every gun owner in the state, the safe storage uh, mandate, and uh, or I call it unsafe storage because an unloaded gun is useless for self-defense. And then the, you know, blame the victim bill, which criminalizes the failure to report a firearm loss or stolen. Those ones are probably going to be the ones that have the most juice. But at an anti-gun rally just last week, the wife of our governor just said that she's going to, they're going to ban the sale of firearms to anybody under 21. Uh, and they're also going to uh, pass a few other bills that we haven't even seen yet. So uh, it's a wide open field. We've got a couple more weeks before our, our deadline. We're kind of the cutoff for new bills. But then we've got omnibus bills here. And that's every every year we see this where all of a sudden these zombie bills that we thought were dead or bills that never saw the light of day before all of a sudden get crammed in an omnibus bill that's 800 pages long and then gets voted on. So uh, those ones are the ones that are making the most noise that I, I personally think have the most likelihood of advancing, at least off of the House floor. But really anything goes and we, we could use all the help we can get. What are you seeing from gun owners and Second Amendment advocates in the state? Um, have they responded? Do they recognize the threat? Is there a, a tendency to think, well, Bruin will save us, uh, so I don't need to get involved. Well, what, what's the attitude of the gun owners that you've been talking to anyway? You know, we, we've had a good response. Uh, we, you know, our membership has grown, uh, which is which has been great. There are people who are really, really wanting to engage in the fight, which which is great. We've also seen people saying, you know, time to leave this hellhole of a state. You know, OK, uh, uh, I'm personally I'm not a defeatist that way. I'd rather go down fighting. Uh, uh, then uh, then let them win um but uh the and then you know then we have people who are saying oh what's the point none of it matters Bruin will save us i'll i'll point out here that we had we just lost uh, a lawsuit that where we sued the state fair uh for uh prohibiting people uh from being able to carry firearms at state fairgrounds in direct violation of minnesota state law it was like crystal clear but the judge just created even after Bruin created a um a presumption uh, that it was a, you know, it was a uh, a sensitive space. Uh, so even though the state law said uh, said it didn't go there, even though uh, the Bruin decision uh, still applied, the judge still did that analysis. And I'll just say, 
it costs a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars to bring a a, a a lawsuit up through the uh, the you know, state court, then the uh, court of appeals, and then all the way up to the Supreme Court. So uh, imagine doing that for every single one of these bills. I'd rather defeat them while we can here than than count on Broom uh, saving us. Absolutely, yeah. It is always better to defeat a bad bill than to try to challenge a bad law in court. Uh, and Rob, listen again. Thank you so much for joining me. You're at the state capitol right now, um, and, and I know that you guys are again paying very close attention to what's going on. Um, MN Gun Owners Caucus on Twitter. How else can folks find you? Yeah, so GunOwners.MN. If nothing else, sign up for our email list just so we can keep you updated on what's going on. Uh, then uh, at GunOwnersMN uh, on Twitter, and then uh, Facebook. If you just Google MN Gun Owners Caucus, uh, you'll find us there. All right. Well, listen, thanks again for uh, all that you do. Thanks for uh, the work that the caucus is doing. And I look forward to talking to you again very soon. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks so much, Kim. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate Rob joining me on the program. Appreciate all of the work that the Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus and its members are doing there in the state. And uh, yeah, we'll be paying close attention to what's going on with that all of that legislation here in the uh, weeks ahead. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. Start there. Uh, with a story of a couple of armed robbers who managed to get a uh, sweetheart of a plea deal. Uh, This is from the Lewiston Tribune uh, out of uh, Iowa. Two Pullman residents, they say, accused of robbing a Garfield man at gunpoint, uh, have been sent to prison. But not very long. As it turns out, 35-year-old Gabriel Hernandez and her ex-husband, 37-year-old Roy Valdez, each sentenced to just a year behind bars in Whitman County Superior Court last Friday. Whitman County Judge Gary Libby ordered their sentences to include drug treatment, and after the release from prison, they must be placed on probation. Uh, it was back in September of last year. Deputies at the Whitman County Sheriff's Office dispatched to a home in Garfield after a report of a resident being robbed at gunpoint. Witnesses identified Hernandez and Valdez as the suspects in an armed robbery. According to police, the uh, two apparently had been sought out by a drug dealer uh, to collect money from a fallen through drug deal. They were told to go to a uh, residence there in Garfield to get a refund of $400 from a man who said that he could obtain drugs but didn't hold up his end of the deal. While going to collect the cash, Valdez, who is a convicted felon, brought along a uh, .357 pistol to the home. The uh, two threatened the Garfield man and were seen by witnesses taking several hundred dollars of tools and other items from the home. As they were then driving back to their home, they were arrested uh, by officers of the Pullman Police Department. Stolen items and the pistol were recovered by police while conducting a vehicle search. Uh, Hernandez and Valdez taken to jail. They've been in the jail since September of 2022 on charges of first-degree robbery, theft of a firearm, unlawful possession of a firearm, uh, bail was set for uh, $200,000 each or $20,000 cash, and apparently they uh, stayed behind bars for the last uh, couple of months. Before their sentencing, Valdez pleaded guilty to felony residential burglary as well as being a felon in possession of a firearm. Hernandez, meanwhile, pleaded guilty to felony residential burglary and two additional charges of car theft. Two separate cases, uh, Hernandez also pleaded guilty to stealing two vehicles. She was caught with these stolen cars in Pullman last spring, and again, despite the laundry list, of offenses, including violent offenses, including felon in possession of a firearm. Hernandez and Valdez both got a slap on the wrist, a year behind bars. And given the fact that they'll get credit for the time that they've already spent behind bars awaiting trial, <clears throat> odds are that Hernandez and Valdez will very soon uh, be released back into society. But I'm, I'm sure that, you know, 
since they're being monitored on probation, everything will be just fine, right? Today's Armed Citizen story from Seattle, Washington, where a uh, smoke shop employee able to protect himself after an armed robber burst in Monday afternoon and opened fire, wounding the store clerk. Thankfully, the store clerk was armed as well and returned fire, striking and killing the would-be armed robber. Police say that uh, uh, members of the community, neighbors basically, uh, heard the gunshots, came running, saw the injured Smoke shop employee and began applying first aid. They were pulling off their belts and using them as tourniquets. Um, that smoke shop employee taken to a local hospital with what's described as non-life-threatening injuries. Again, the uh, would-be robber uh, succumbing to his injuries there at the scene, according to police. The investigation continues, but at this point, pretty clear this is an act of self-defense, right? When you fire back after being shot, yeah, you definitely have... Uh, the right to protect your life under those circumstances. So we'll keep our eyes on any updates uh, to this story. But honestly, I got to tell you, I don't know that we're going to get any. Uh, you know, I talked about this at Bearing Arms yesterday. Some of the, even the local media coverage of armed citizen stories really seems to be downplayed these days. Uh, but we will keep looking for any updates to this particular defensive gun use out of Seattle. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. An anonymous stranger in Oklahoma City who was able to put out a uh, help put out a fire in a uh, couple's backyard over the weekend. Yeah, there's the uh, headline from KWTV. Uh, Holy smokes! Couple says Good Samaritan helped put fire out with feet and then vanished. I have to tell you, I was I was getting a little deja vu as I was re- uh, reading this story. I'll I'll, I'll fill you in uh, as to why that is the case, but. Um, yeah, this was uh, in Oklahoma City. April and uh, Brian Hooley said they heard a bang uh, over the weekend, and then they saw smoke and flames in their backyard. Uh, April Hooley said it was spreading so fast, coming up towards the patio area. Her husband Brian says it was coming up towards the fence, too. You never know what could have happened. Well, the family starts you know, yelling for help. They grab a fire extinguisher to uh, try to put out the flames in the backyard, but they say almost as quickly as the smoke appeared, so did this. Anonymous stranger. <laughs> Brian Hooley says he was probably just driving by because there's a main road behind us and he must have seen the smoke. So surveillance, uh, like ring footage uh, from the uh, doorbell, shows the man uh, quickly pulling into the driveway of the home, getting out of his vehicle. He goes to the backyard. His pastor, meanwhile, is on the phone calling 911. The Hooleys say the man quickly got in the way of the blaze, started using his feet to basically just, you know, stomp down the uh, flames. Uh, the couple said the man vanished as quickly as he showed up leaving before emergency crews even arrived. Uh, but the family said that this could have been so much worse were he not there. Brian Hooley says, just for a guy to pull into the neighborhood, just driving by to see that smoke. It was incredible, sort of like he's done this before. And uh, now the couple on social media trying to reconnect with this guy. They say, uh, we just want to be able to thank him formally and maybe like to buy him a pair of new shoes too. Um, uh, hopefully they get the chance to connect. With that uh, anonymous Good Samaritan, again, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. And the reason why I say this was deja vu is because when I was a kid growing up in Oklahoma City, now I'm not going to lay this on me, by the way. This is all on my older brother and his JD friends. Uh, But when I was maybe nine years old, uh, my brother and his friends took an M80 which were legal to sell in Oklahoma at the time at fireworks stands, set it on a, uh, a, a right up next to the fence in uh, his buddy Davy's backyard, uh, lit the fuse, 
The M80 goes off, does not blow up the fence, uh, made a really big, loud noise, obviously, but uh, didn't blow a hole in the fence. We thought everything was fine. I was just there as a bystander, just a poor, innocent babe, if you will. Uh, but then a couple of minutes later, we noticed smoke rising from the neighbor's backyard. Yeah, yeah. My brother and his buddies had set the neighbor's yard on fire, uh, which resulted in a, a Keystone Cops-like uh, parade of uh, tweens and adolescents running around the backyard uh, trying to find a garden hose, attach the garden hose, get the hose on, and holding the hose over the uh, fence there in the hopes of extinguishing the blaze in the neighbor's backyard, which did happen, by the way. Fire was put out. No no harm done except to the backsides of um, <clears throat> some of the older kids there who were responsible for that. So, uh, yeah, fireworks, dry backyards in Oklahoma, not a good mix. But I'm glad that that anonymous stranger was around to uh, stop that blaze from getting any worse. Now, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Make sure you're checking out the website today. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, permitless carry on the move in Florida. Campus carry could get a uh, final vote in the state house today. State Senate has already passed that bill. They made some minor tweaks, but I think this is going to be the big vote for campus carry. We'll get uh, that covered at Barry and Arms. And of course, I would encourage you to become a VIP member as well. All you have to do, go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support for the independent pro-Second Amendment journalism we do, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.